Hi guys, and welcome to the Fights Up Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash, as always, and today we're going to talk about Artaberto Biff. We're going to talk about his fight with Joe Smith Jr. And then because um, because that fight wasn't particularly long, and you know there's some stuff to talk about, but it wouldn't take me very long to dig into, I'm going to talk a little bit, just a few details, bits and bobs about how you know how his pressure fighting fits into pressure fighting in general, how he compares, you know, thinks he, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make a ranking or anything, but how he does right, how he does wrong, I'm, you know, I'm going to look at Golovkin and Berterbiev and the differences between them, that sort of thing, um, yeah, just to have a little bit of a, a technical, a little, little bit of something to chew on in this episode, and then I'm going to talk about Rebecca Ramirez and his win over, over Abraham Nova, and how he's developing, and that'll be fun because um, that fits nicely. He's developing a nice little pressure game too, so so that will work. I just before we start, I do have to apologise. Um, I'm going to try to click the sound up as best I can, but I'm not recording at um, home today. I'm recording you know, I'm on holiday. Um, I'm visiting home home, and uh, it's just not as quiet here as it is where I normally record. You may hear cross booting parts in the background. I, yeah, like I say, I'll do I'll do what I can to remove that background noise, but um, yeah, you may hear something. Anyway, but Turbia versus Smith. Um, he, I said in my preview, both fighters are sort of men- mentally capable. They're both happy to, when it comes down to it, um, step off. Um, and let their opponent come for them a bit more, despite both being aggressive pressure power fighters. And um, I said that if Joe Smith wants any chance at all, he needs to get better if you have to do to commit him, because well, because he gets himself much more out of shape when he's someone who has to chase forward after the other guy. And well, it's basically the only time he's going to have any advantage over Bertovia and. Uh, Peterbia is going to show any vulnerability. As it turns out, the opposite happened, and the very first thing Smith did was um, try to sort of push Peterbia back um, with a big swinging shot, which got him really off balance. And then he did sort of more closer to the right thing when he started to chase with the jab, but Peterbia immediately started dissuading that jab, immediately started hard countering it, and he would do exactly what I said uh, he is also capable of, just step back a little bit. You know, um, the commentators noticed Smith was trying to educatedly push Baterbio back. He's, Smith decided that his best route was going to be to make Baterbio go backwards, and that kind of makes sense on the face of it. Um, you know, Baterbio is a known pressure fighter, but if you watch his fights, he does he does like he is happy for his opponents to come at him a bit, make them fall short, and then and then uh, punish them. And Smith just isn't as good. Consistent enough a forward mover uh, to to do that without getting punished. He was, I think, always going to fall short and, and and get dragged, and that's what happened. And then possibly that is the reason that we saw this. Um, normally, Vitoviev has been starting quite slowly in recent fights. You know, the commentators have noticed noticed noting that Vitoviev doesn't throw a huge amount of punches in the first couple of rounds, and then this one obviously just flattened Joe Smith very quickly, and that happened because Joe Smith forced the engagements and he forced them in such a way that Bedebio just didn't really feel the need to um, feel out 
And one thing that was notable is Bitobio um, has been working, I think, on his speed, both in his hands and his feet. Um, with his footwork, he does still make mistakes. Like he is still... The thing with Bitobio's footwork is positionally everything's present and correct, like where he needs to be, what he's go, where he's going, how he cuts off the rim, how the timing of when he slides uh, back to make his opponent fall short. Oh, that's really good. It's just that he does... It is quite still quite crude. It's not as bad much as it used to be, where he used to just kind of wander about the ring. But um, but that would be the area. Like if someone's looking at beating him, that is where you're looking at. You know, catching him with balance. But uh, but he has been working on the speed quite a lot. Um, and yeah, Joe Smith just couldn't handle it because his footwork is not really like you know it's. It's silly for me to drag a, you know, world champion, former world champion boxer, but his footwork is in. In terms of the technique, he needs to to compete at this level. It doesn't really exist, um, and that did show. Like he was getting caught off balance constantly. Um, you know, even when he wasn't getting uh, battered up for it, he was getting. He was getting um. He was just throwing himself a balance as he stepped forward, as he threw it. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a pretty tight. And that's more or less how the knockdown came at the end of the first round. I mean, at the end of the, in the middle of the round, there was a sort of knockdown. Um, but it was called a, it was called a tangle of legs in a slip, which it was. But there was a punch involved as well. Um, and that that happened when Batovia did start to push, um, and Smith got tangled and uh, and they fell over. But the final. Um, the final knockdown at the end of the round, the first real one, and the first real one of Smith's career, was very much um, Smith chasing Baterbiev backwards, Baterbiev just perfectly maintaining range, um, and then stopping for a split second, clipping him with the right hand. And this is the thing, Joe Smith just isn't good enough at this sort of thing to be doing the game plan that he was, because he came after Baterbiev, and in theory... Um, he was doing the correct thing. He came in with a triple jab, pushing Potopia, trying to get him to the ropes. Um, you know, he was theor- theoretically had a defensive posture going. He had his uh, chin tucked and everything. Um, but the jabs were too slow, and he wasn't moving fast enough. Potopia kept the distance, and just on the third jab, Potopia came over it with the right hand and clipped him and thudded him. And it was a flash knockdown in the sense that he wasn't like super wobbly or anything. But it was still a Potopia knockdown. It was. It was a flash knockdown that happened because the punch itself sort of was so solid that it shoved him off balance and uh, and all of that. But, um, so, yeah, you know, there are people against whom Smith could play that game and not be punished for his mistakes, but Terbiev just isn't one of them. And, I mean, I can... I can see the intent, you know, if you push Terbiev completely backwards, um, if, you, if you're able to deny him the space... To take that pause because you know he's he's maintaining space. Then he pauses, whacks a shot, and goes. Um, you know, that's normally how power counter punching works. Um, if you were to deny Baterbia that space to set himself, he would be a bit more limited. He, he would find it more difficult. There was one moment slightly earlier in the fight where he did try to throw while stepping backwards, and it didn't. He did sort of he did off balance himself. Um, so so the Intent. You can see the intent behind Smith was doing. It's just that uh, I just I can't see how he ever thought he was going to be 
I don't know, you have to believe in yourself as a boxer, but um, you always have to be realistic, and it just wasn't going to happen, and it didn't. And I mean, the second round was just uh, a bit of a... I mean, it was a mauling. There were three knockdowns, and two knockdowns, and then the ending, I think. Um, yeah, and it was much more of a Terbiev, as you'd expect him to be, stepping in, chasing the knockdown, um, chasing the... throwing combinations in mauling and all of that, um, you know, inside fighting. But the first knockdown in the second round was... Nearly identical to the first one, where he went on the back foot for a little bit, but Smith threw a few jabs, um, and then he threw another jab, and Baturbia clocked him over the top of it with a big right hand. Um, guys, if you're going to pressure fight behind a jab, and you should be, um, you have to have a safety reflex after you've thrown the jab. You have to be minimum taking yourself off centre line. You have to you know, be weaving, ducking, taking a little step, or throw, you know, even throwing something forward, stepping in up faster. Obviously, the Smith was trying to do that, he couldn't. Um, but yeah, you have to be doing something after the jab, bring the hand back, protect yourself. Like, it, all of these things would have still been difficult against um, Baturbiev in the way that he was. But um, but you have to do something to protect yourself. And the second knockdown was much more just on the ropes, Baturbiev was unleashing with the full arsenal, and Baturbiev is a very good combination of puncher, it took us, including me um, a lot of us, a while to realise this but against Kostik who showed it um, and we know it now um, you know, he put up this reputation as a screwed fighter but uh, offensively, and we're going to talk about it in more detail in a second, um, Baturbiev does have you know everything he needs really. His um his combination of punching is incredible. Like um, his setups, his uh, th- th- this is a thing we don't really talk about much uh, because we always talk about Baturbiev. Everything he throws is with bad intentions, and that's true. But normally when we say that, uh, it does you do kind of mean that everything he throws is so, normally that sort of means sort of one punch at a time, right? You know when you when you say that you mean when you say someone's loading up, you're throwing with bad intentions. Um, that shot. You know, obviously you do throw combinations loaded up, but um, but it sort of speaks to you're aiming that punch to knock the person out. The Peterbiev throws everything with bad intentions, but they're still all setup punches. Like even when he's throwing a shot upstairs to try to go around the guard, he's perfectly ready. If he doesn't go around the guard, he knows that's going to open a hole and throw. He'll follow it with an uppercut. He clean at Joe Smith with a few uppercuts in that round. You know, he's always looking at what his last shot did to the guard to the position of his opponent and chasing the next shot it's you know not dissimilar to what Chocolatito Hernandez does you know a much more brutal slower but more powerful level and that's you know for a guy with that reputation it's pretty you know for a guy throwing that hard to be doing that with all his shots it's pretty incredible to be honest um, so yeah um, and yeah the third the, the final fight ending thing was also for Terbiev just pushing Smith back and Smith does not have the defensive reflexes to deal with a guy like Terbiev at all which is why this fight happened finished so quickly because basically everything but Terbiev threw was either landing or opening up the next thing for him to land and uh, yeah it ended the fight pretty quickly so I mean yeah like I say I've been talking for 10 minutes there isn't just isn't that much to say about this fight isn't to say it wasn't a you know it was a fun fight and you should watch it it's just uh, wasn't very long and it was very simple so let's talk about like I said I want to talk about 
pressure fighting in general. I want to make this a little bit about, you know, how, well, we can talk about both of them really, because um, Smith executed a bad pressure fighting plan. But Terbiev wasn't really strictly, you know, he, he let Smith pressure and then countered him a bit here, and then he went on the front foot. But I want to talk about, you know, just the whole general archetype of pressure fighting. And basically I want to frame... A little bit of a discussion about of pressure fighting around Viterbiev, you know, there are different, one, you know, just to start from the start, we tend to think of pressure fighting as sort of one thing, you know, one style of you're going forward, you're pushing the tempo all the time and that's what you're doing. And I mean, it means going forward, that's what pressure fighting means, but there are different sorts, different things, you know, different things you can do well and badly, but also just different ways there are different ways of pressure fighting and you know Berterbiev is a very good embodiment of one of them probably the kind that is most stereotypical but um but even within that he does certain things particularly well and certain things maybe he could clean up and then i want to also just you know compare him to some other fighters and uh and talk about just general pressure fighting in general just because i think it would be interesting to be honest so that's what i'm going to do so I'm going to sort of start by framing, you know, what I think Viterbiev does, um, and you know what I think he does well and badly. Well, badly, badly is too too strong a word, um, but you know what his flaws are, weaknesses are, um, which haven't been so unshown in any of his fights, but but they exist, you know. So um, so let's talk about it. Um, and yeah, so Viterbiev is clearly a pressure fighter. I'm going to be referring back to the Gvozdik fight a bit because. Um, well, this fight didn't didn't develop that long, and he spent initially he spent defusing Smith's attempts at pressure. So, I mean, that's let's start with there, um, just because I just said that. Um, one thing, you know, I always say have a second string to your bow, um, always have a backup plan, and in this case, it was a backup plan that he used as the first plan. Um, he can go backwards; he will step off um, if he needs to, and that is quite an important component of pressure fighting really um not every fight not every pressure fighter does it the way Batebiev does um but i mean you saw it in there you saw it in the first round here and you saw it in the um caustic fight here and there throughout um he doesn't like being pushed backwards particularly but um but if an opponent comes at him he'll step off and he'll maintain an ideal range sort of the range he wants to which he's quite good at and try a little club encounter as they throw. Um, so basically what I'm saying is um, he's good at maintaining the space, even if that means stepping off, even though he's a pressure fighter. Um, yeah, just uh, just the, the position that he do maintains is uh, is good. And that's that's something he does well in general. Um, the choice of his movement, the choice of what he is doing as uh, in terms of his direction, his positioning and all of that is always really good. Um, yeah, he backs off when he needs to. Like Smith's problem in this fight was very much that uh, that he couldn't find the range that he needed, and uh, some of Kostic's problem in their fight was also that when he did go on the attack, when he did try to come forward, uh, he uh, he found it difficult to pin the Terbiev down, even though he looks like he moves like a brick. So there was that, um, and when he does choose to really push forward. He's also really good at finding 
the right range um, and the positioning like he cuts off the ring very well he um he yeah he pushes his opponents to the ropes very well and when he when they're on the ropes it's very hard to get out of that situation so just that you know just from the start um his feet are good in terms of position which that does give you a clue as to what i think one of his weaknesses is obviously um yeah his jab is fine he doesn't have the best jab in the world by which i mean he throws it, it more or less at one pace um like a clubby sort of attacking jab he can double and triple it but it's more or less the same thing all the time uh, and it is interesting that he can, does nonetheless use this to control range you know he isn't just using it as a destructive weapon but but it is a little one pace compared to others what he is good at and he declared he uh, showed it very much against smith and he showed it against uh Caustic a bit as well, it's just something he's good at, is um, taking his opponent's jab away. Well, but he throws hard when his opponent is jabbing. He um, he throws hard and he has good timing, so so they're not particularly interested in in jabbing. And you need a good jab to beat Viterbiev, because you need to disrupt his range finding and all of that. So him just throwing hard, you know, both of the first two knockdowns against um, Smith in this fight just now were over the jab. It's just, yeah, it's just something he's good at if you're throwing a jab. And Perturbia comes over the top of it. It's tough. That is a risk um, against better fighters because, because if he's coming over the top of the jab every time hard, then some fighters will eventually you know see it coming and try to intercept him and walk him onto a shot basically and uh, that is something that he will have to be aware of for Baterbiev it's slightly less of a problem than for any other fighter in the, on, the ros- on the roster I'm talking about UFC fan now any other fighter active because he hits so hard that there is no one who will be happy you know, there will be no one who can be confident or even slightly confident of winning the exchange if you get into an even exchange with Baterbiev. He just hits too hard. Um, you know, any intercepting, any attempt at intercepting shots will risk taking that shot anyway and, you know, getting slumped. So so he has that advantage. And, you know, his power is a cheat code in that sense. He, there are many things he can do that other fighters simply wouldn't, get away with because no one wants to no one wants to be in that situation with him and if they decide they do want to be in that situation with him they're more than likely to just fall over it's um, if you're an MMA fan it's a completely different work, you know obviously completely completely different discipline but um, there is something of the Khabib Nurmagomedov about it and I may be talking about my arse a little bit here I'm not a grappling expert but um, from what I see and I think I've seen one or two people suggest the same um, who do know more is that Khabib you know he makes what would be termed as mistakes when he's grappling but um, no one takes advantage of them because it's too dangerous for them to try uh, you know if they do try they'll get even more over- overwhelmed even more quickly than they would and that's essentially what's happening here um you know, he makes, he uh, he does things, they're not mistakes, he's doing it on purpose, he does things that would bait an opponent into coming at him, um, 
but if they try, they'll just be even more vulnerable. And who wants to be, be vulnerable against Perturbiev? Uh, yeah, and uh, then the thing the thing that he's really good at, the thing that I uh, really like from him, that he's really elite at, I'll compare him to Chocolatito, and that's high praise, is his uh, punch selection. Um, and obviously it manifests itself differently. He doesn't throw eight punch combinations. He doesn't throw a thousand punches a fight. But his ability to react to what the punch he's just thrown has achieved and throw the next punch into that gap is, uh, you know, second to what, let's say second to one. Cheko Luchito is the best at this, but Baterbiev is very, very good at this. And the thing with that he has is obviously he's so heavy handed. Everything he throws is so hard. Like I alluded, said earlier that um, he has that extra advantage that even if it's blocked, he still throws an opening. So he doesn't have that. Like he, he can be aware that even if, you know, if he throws something upstairs with his right hand, then even if they catch it on their left glove, they're going to move to their right. And that will leave an opening that he can throw out with his next hand, would be it an uppercut or or any, you know, left left hook or to the body, whatever. He he is, he can, he, he fights in the knowledge that that will happen. Like he is smartly using his power as a tool, not just you know, not just as a threat or not just as an intimidation tactic or not just, you know, if I hit this, hit you, I'll end you. He's using it as a tool to find the next space. That's that's just really good to watch. Um, yeah, so um, the one thing, the difference between him and Chocolatito is not just that he throws less volumes because he's uh, bigger and a bit slower. It is that patient sort of thing. He does hang back and step forward. The thing is, Chocolatito circles his opponents to keep himself safe um, as he's attacking. He circles. That's what a lot of pressure fighters do, side-to-side steps. But Terbiev, in terms of that movement, he's not subtle. He's good, but he's not subtle, and he doesn't really do the side-to-side shuffle. So what he does is step back, let his opponents throw into air, and he is, like I say, it's not just a jab. He is good at Essentially, he's a good counterpuncher. It's not his primary mode of operation, but he's a good counterpuncher. That is one thing that I wanted to raise. This is one thing that we do sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that pressure fighting and counterpunching are opposites. And that's not true. Pressure fighting and outboxing are opposites, but you can be a pressure counterpuncher. Gennady Golovkin could be described as one in some ways, um, you know, not entirely, but in his more destructive modes an awful lot of what he did especially with the jab is to draw a reaction first before he throws the power shots and Golovkin you know there are ways in which Golovkin resembles Baterbiev or Baterbiev resembles Golovkin but um, but Golovkin was well firstly Golovkin's jab was just better than Baterbiev's I saw someone say the other day that uh, Baterbiev was better at everything including the jab it's like nonsense that's just not true but uh, probably Golovkin. Yeah, the thing with Baterbiev is, I'll, I'll put it this way: Baterbiev counter punches when he stepped off, but on the front foot, he's a leader. You can't be a counter puncher when you're on the front foot, and Golovkin is closer to being that than Baterbiev. I would say um, Golovkin is also maybe maybe a little bit weird, weirder would be the word. I think Conor Rubich described him once this way, that he just throws weird combinations. He throws all the punches picture perfect, but he does them in weird combinations of like, he 
he'll throw three uppercuts, but slight, not uppercuts, he'll throw three left hooks to the body, but like in slightly different slightly different angles each time, things like that. Which, you know, that was an odd thing that Golovkin does. But Baterbiev doesn't really. That Baterbiev throws combinations in his, in the combination that you'd expect. He goes up and down, left and right, in the more or less, you know, you know it's coming. It's just really difficult to stop at the angles, the angle changes that he makes. Um, so that's one difference, you know, it's just one difference between them. Uh, yeah, you can, yeah, basically you can create surprise by throwing weird shots or throwing, following up one shot with a non-traditional shot, or you can do it by just being so overwhelmingly powerful that your opponent has no choice but to let you let you in. And Potobia uh, is a latter. But yeah, you can be a counter... I'm going to talk about counter-punching on the front foot more later on, because Roberto Ramirez fought on this card, as I say, and he is like, unquestionably a counter-pressure fighter. Like, Golovkin is a little bit. He, he baits reactions as he's coming forward, but he's still taking the lead. He's still throwing first when, you know, majority of the time. He just wants his opponents to kind of flinch into compromising positions before he does. So let's talk about, but yeah, so yeah, Baterbia's strengths and style as a pressure fighter, positionally very good. Um, his evasion is by stepping off and maintaining space, not by stepping around. Um, his, he is primarily on the front foot. He is a leader, like he looks to open the gap with throwaway punches and with the movements he makes, not by not by baiting shots, but he will step off. If an opponent does step him back and um, force him back, then he'll, you know, he'll step up, step up, and then he ca- then he counters pretty well. Like I say, the two knockdowns here were counters. What I don't think he does so well, and I've, you know, what, where I think his vulnerability is, I would say, is that his footwork, as good as it is, um, in terms of the plan, he does still, you know get himself a little off balance his timing is good but um you know i'm being a little bit harsh here because for example smith you know was trying to land a jab and he couldn't his head positioning is okay but he is just yeah his head movement isn't fantastic and that comes a bit from the feet he just uh he does prioritize the position over the stance basically what i'm saying is his stance for all that his punching itself isn't crude at all the um the underlying movement behind all of that is a little bit but not you know it's not it's not Joe Smith, but there is a little bit of a of a case that he's that's where that's where if he gets found out, that's where he'll get found out. That's why the Bivol fight is interesting because it will be a case of Bivol is a very movement focused fighter and if he can keep that movement pinpoint, will Baterbia be able to keep up with him? And if not, will he find himself off balance? And that was one, yeah, one other thing. Um, I didn't, you know, Smith isn't good enough to have pushed Baterbia fully backwards, not on his own terms. Basically, there's two ways of going backwards in boxing, on your own terms and not on your own terms, which generally means going faster than you want to be going. And some fighters can handle that anyway. You know, if an opponent pushes them back, they can still keep the shape and uh, counter or escape. 
Um, there was one moment early in, I think it was in the first round, um, that Viterbiev tried to knock, um, tried to throw a punch essentially while he was moving rather than stop, set, step back, step back, stop, step into it. He tried to throw a punch while he was moving and he did fall over. And so there isn't a lot of evidence for this because who's crazy enough to try to push Viterbiev back, but there are signs that that could be his weakness. You know, he's not going to be Deontay Wilder where it's going to be relatively easy to claim that that's just not a, you know, so that may not be one that would be wise for anyone to try. But it, it's, you know, something to note. And just generally, in general, his uh, his footwork and his head movement, basically defensively, he leaves himself a little open, even, you know, even as he's attacking. He just kind of relies on overwhelmation. And that is, you know, to go back to Golovkin, that is where he differs from Golovkin, because Golovkin, and I mean, maybe possibly it is something he's got his hide in, because this was the thing with Golovkin, is uh, there were fights where he would just decide not to defend much and take shots, and then he fought um, tougher opponents, and he was incredibly defensively responsible, and then he fought Canelo in the second fight, and turned out that he's quite happy being a back foot fighter at all. So there's that whole thing about, you know, you don't have like, even pressure fighters. You know, someone you think is a pressure fighter at heart may turn out to be more comfortable doing the other thing. But in any case, yeah. Um, the other thing to to sort of keep in mind when you're looking at um, Baturbiev among the archetypal pressure fighters is that we do tend to think, I mean, tend to think of, you can broadly divide them into the guys who are whose main weapon is the jab and uh, and the guys whose jab is just to get them in close and uh, maybe probably the best example of a really jab heavy pressure fighter right now um, possibly surprising given the impression he leaves in your head but um, Alexander Usyk has an incredible jab that he uses very busily uh, and the reason I say that's a maybe surprises because he also has very good combination punching in and out movement all of that stuff but if you look at the punch stats especially against a really elite opposition but uh, um, Usyk tends to favour the jab by quite a long way like against uh, against Breedis his best opponent um, to date I would say two two thirds or so of his punches let's have a look at the stats um, yeah, he threw 848 punches and 550, 550 of them were jabs by CompuBox. Probably, you know, may not entirely be true, but uh, but there were uh, a lot of jabs thrown. Um, not that many landed, but that's not, you know, a lot more power punches. More power punches landed, but he, he works very heavily behind the jab. But Terbiev is the opposite kind, which is to say he jabs. Like plenty, but um, against his best opponent today, he threw um, he threw overall five hundred punches, which uh, let's be fair, is quite a lot less than it's in general. But um, two hundred and thirty odd of those were um, were jabs and 280 were power punches, so he favours power punches, not as heavily as I thought actually, but um, 
but he favours power punches and obviously by um and power punches he landed way more power punches than jabs um, more than twice as many so Sabuto so is very much a guy whose jab is not an afterthought but it's sort of a it's not the key part of his game it's not what fighters are terrified of which is also you know it's why kind of why I compared it to um, Chocolatita who also has a very good jab like it's very hard to be a pressure fighter without a jab even um, someone like it'd be very hard to be any kind of fighter without a really good jab even someone like Thrissiket or Rungvisai um, he doesn't really tradition well I mean he does it would be again silly to say that he doesn't jab but um, but he does like he uses his lead hand in a way that you wouldn't necessarily call a jab I mean it may, you know maybe it's a Okay, if it's doing the thing that a jab is doing and getting home and close and all of that, maybe it should be called a jab. But, um, you know, by the official stats, for example, against um, Gonzalez in the first fight, which, you know, it was the one that lasted, he was throwing at the maximum 25 um, jabs around and much more often, you know, 10 to 15, which is not a lot at all. You know, Usyk is throwing 30 to 50 punches around um, Roman Gonzalez. Who I just kind of said, you know, raised the idea of someone who's uh, not a big jab thrower, but he's still throwing 30 punches um, on average, you know, um, not 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 this, you know, in that in that same fight, Gonzalez threw, you know, 5, 15, 13, 5, 15, and then he upped up the jab a bit, up to 25, 21. But yeah, he doesn't. He's not a huge jab thrower, is what I'm saying. Uh, and he, you know, I'll talk about him next week. Hopefully after his fight with um, Jesse uh, with Pam Rodriguez, but yeah, he is the rare fighter who doesn't to whom a jab game isn't central, and even he uses his lead hand to set up the rest of his game. Um, but for Paterbia, yeah, it's a it's a key important part, but it's not the key. You know, you can be a jab central fighter and a jab fighter who for whom the jab is just there to kind of get you inside and um but Herbiev is definitely the the latter. Hmm. What else can we talk about? Distance. The distance that you pressure at. Contrary to prob- to popular belief you can pressure you can be pressured at any distance. You tend to think of pressure fighters as being the guys who come in really close. And but Herbiev is that. He's at his best in you know, crunching into the pocket um, and really close. In, into clinch range. He's good in the clinch. But, uh, you know, especially the jab-heavy fighters, um, you know, they don't have to be at a a pocket distance to win a fight. Um, You know, Golovkin against uh, Lemieux won that fight just by keeping Lemieux at distance. Uh, But that's still a pressure-fighting performance. He was taking the lead um, and pushing Lemieux back. He just, uh, you know, didn't close the range all the way. Um, but Peterbiev, you know, like I say, I'm circling around Peterbiev just to kind of describe a few things here and there. And yeah, Peterbiev is a crunching pressure fighter, but he does have a very good appreciation for range. And like I say, he can maintain it by stepping off, letting his opponent do his thing, and then punishing it. Um, so that's a uh, yeah. That's I'm going to sort of start wrapping up here because it's not you know there's only. So much more I can say, and I've been talking for half an hour about Baturbiev and his uh, special fighting. 
I will revisit, you know, if you, if I keep this, keep going with this podcast, I will revisit this subject. Maybe I'll do a more constructed series about fighting archetypes. That may be something. Um, but yeah, this was a, just a good opportunity because, like I said, the fight was itself was so short. It was just a little, little opportunity to just talk a few details I wanted to just frame pressure fighting around him. And, um, yeah, and since we're here, let's talk about, uh, Rebeza Ramirez against Abraham Nova. Rebeza Ramirez, you may remember, he was a highly decorated amateur. Um, two gold medals in London and Brazil, 2012 and 2016, and then he defected and he turned pro. You know, he turned pro with the same kind of reputation as Lomachenko and Rukendo, but he was younger. He was 25, I think, when he turned over or when he got through the process of defecting and, uh, and managed to make his debut. And and there was a lot of excitement around him and then he just lost the first fight and it was not he just didn't seem he didn't seem mentally ready for the pros he didn't seem to have got his game ready and since then three years since then he's um and spent his time calibrating and um you know figuring out his game and he was fighting abram nova um who's a puerto rican fella who um but I believe has uh, relocated to New York. Um, not hugely relevant where he's from, but yeah, for, um, Abraham Nova. And he's a decent fighter. He is an outboxer. He fights behind his jab. Um, and this was something I said in my preview. He has a good jab and decent movement, but um, but I think he leaves himself too open when he's doing anything other than jabbing. And really, even when he's defending, defending... Um, to to really have a chance here, but he'll he's a good good enough fighter to make you know, Ramirez work, and that's what proved true. Where Ramirez had to figure things out, and uh, but he did, and he won in the end with a knockout in the I believe it was the fifth round. It was indeed the fifth round, um, and yeah, basically how it played out. Um, I want to put a few a bit more meat on the bones of something the commentary was saying because they were talking a lot about Cubans just find a way to close the distance, to cut your distance off, to to make the size disadvantage, because Ramirez is a fair bit smaller than Abraham Nova, um, not matter. Oh, well, Cubans just find a way. But how did he find a way? You know, that, that's not helpful analysis, guys. Um, and yeah, a great deal of it is timing. You know that Abraham Nova is a jab heavy fighter. You follow the jab in. You come in under the jab or over the jab um, with your punches. But you follow. You you know you wait for his jab and then you come in after it. Or you and its positioning is a very important. And um, and this was where Ramirez really shone because yeah, essentially that jab couldn't really find anything. And when he started throwing other things. Um, you know, he started following up with combinations. Um, he just couldn't get them home. He um, and it wasn't that uh, that Ramirez was going missing. You know, he wasn't going vanishing. He was standing right in front of Nova, and Nova was throwing combinations at him, and they were not landing, or they were just, you know, he'd have his hands down, and the guy would throw a combination, and it would just kind of 
skim off his shoulders or just not land. That's that's really good defense. And again, you know, against better opponents in this division, Roberto Ramirez is a, a featherweight, which means that he's you know he is in a um, in a tough division. Um, a good solid, good solid division with a with plenty of competition. Um, I say that I'd probably fancy to beat probably all of them, to be honest. Um, Navarrete, Maxayo, um, Carrie Russell, um, Marisha Lara, and Lee Wood. You know, those are the top guys in the division. Your Josh Warrington's. That kind of, you know, it's that division. Yeah, I'd say I'd fancy him to beat all of them, but he wouldn't, you know, it's a either. Anyway, the point is, um, his positioning is, uh, his positioning while he's in the pocket is superb, and to the point where it doesn't look like he's moving, you know, he's not this wild, wildly um, slick move, you know, his head, his head movement, you know, he has it when he needs it. But he does a lot of the time. He just didn't need to move his head much because he was already in the position. Just the set of his shoulders and the set of his feet. That anything and overthrew wasn't um, wasn't helpful. Like just wasn't wasn't landing cleanly or landing at all. And uh, yeah, the thing I mentioned earlier is that he is very clearly a pressure counterfighter, which is to say. He pushes forward, he was cutting down the space, he was very much getting in um, Nova's face, but then he was waiting for Nova to throw, and um, and punishing that, he is a massive shithouse. He is a huge troll. He was, you know, standing there laughing at Nova, baiting him. Um, he, he's a fun personality to watch, but, um, but that's part of his game, you know. I think that's overlooked, and maybe that's something I can talk about with uh, more, in more detail in in a dedicated podcast for this um personality can be you know it's obvious to say person we talk about personality being a huge part of boxing and sometimes it generally will mean has that guy got the dog in him when you buy down in his gum shield but the psychological games between fighters in the ring can be hugely important canelo alvarez is generally very good at this which is uh you know the fact that he couldn't face bivol was a, a decent part of his downfall um in that fight um and yeah Roberto ramirez is basically he uses his personality essentially as a feint. He's essentially laughing at his opponents while standing in punching range in order to get them to commit, which is, uh, you know, that's always been the case with um, with arrogant fighters um, down the years, but it's a very clear example here. Like, he is just, he is just laughing, he was just laughing at Nova in order to get him to bait a reaction, which was fun. You know, I enjoyed that. And yeah, the thing that he has been working on, I think, is um, is sitting down on his punches while staying safe, is um, really finding that power. And he's not, you know, it wasn't a huge volume performance. It was, you know, he was sitting down on one or two punches at a time. And then later on, when he got a little bit of reaction, then he started up at, uh, you know, four or five or six, but not, you know, it wasn't constant, constant, constant uh, combinations. Uh, it was just reacting. Um, the other thing that I should mention, um, Ramirez is southpaw, Nova's a regular and orthodox fighter, so it's, you know, the Ofa starts match up, and R- Ramirez was very much demonstrating the the importance, you know, I, I would say it's a 
little overstated but, um, how important it is, but the whole thing about getting your foot on the outside. Um, he wasn't doing that necessarily to circle, he was just doing it to close distance. Um, but one thing that does get overlooked is the relative stances. Um, Nova's very long, and um, if Ramirez had tried to play that game with him, he would have had much more trouble. He came in with a much more square stance um, than Nova. And what he would do is Nova would jab, Ramirez would counter the jab, um, aim to the body. He'd come in, basically, he'd duck down and um, throw... Wouldn't be, I wouldn't call it a jab. It was a lead power, lead, lead right hand uh, to Nova's side. And then, if he got the reaction that we wanted, or you know, later on, once he got into the groove, he'd start throwing with his left, obviously. Um, and anything that Nova tried to counter with was coming from such a long distance. He was much more bladed. It was coming from such a long distance, but also he was having to sort of loop it because of the stance that. Um, that Ramirez was taking up. He was having to sort of loop it around a bit, and it was just, this is what I was talking about with the positioning. He was just coming, he was coming in more square, and Nova's stance wasn't suited to finding its way around the earmuffs. He couldn't find his way through because he was, um, because Ramirez, at the angle Ramirez was, was at, that he was taking it um, on the left glove, on the left arm, everything, and he couldn't find his way around because then it was either coming just behind him or catching him on the shoulder. So it was a difficult, yeah, it was basically a nice little stance for this fight. And yeah, lots of baiting, lots of uh, lots of talking, lots of ducking in and out. Um, and yeah, just working that body, working that body after Nova's jab. And yeah, I'd say he's a counterpuncher. He's a very pure counterpuncher. He's barely even throwing throwaways. He's just fainting and waiting for reactions. And then, you know, as Nova gets out of position, countering them, whipping in, whipping in the combinations. He is good at the whole, you know, this is a thing that, uh, I guess it's a theme of the evening of responding to what your previous shot did. He is good at that. He is in a very accurate puncher. puncher. At least he was here. And yeah, ultimately, ultimately Nova just didn't have what it took, you know, any time he threw anything, it got punished and taken off balance and hurt. And, you know, I should immediately walk back something I've been saying. It was a very counter-punching performance, but, 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 but the knockout punch was him taking the lead. He threw a cuff in the right hand around, um, around Nova's guard as he stepped in, and then Nova reacted, so he, um, Nova sort of flinched from it. So Ramirez basically decided, okay, I'm I'm in no danger here. I'm going to throw, step in with a really hard lift, and um, yeah, and knock him out. And so I guess that is another lesson of power punching, of any kind of punching. Variation is the king. You know, Batebiev is the big pressure fighter. He knocked uh, Smith down twice with counters. Uh, I said, but he's the big lead taker. But he knocked Smith down twice with counters. Roberto Ramirez spent almost the entire fight countering, despite pressuring, but he won the fight with a by taking the lead. So, you know, variation is king. Always have a second string to your bow. Even if you don't need to use it, throw it in any way to confuse your opponent. Just always have more strings to your bow than your opponent is aware of, and just occasionally flash them, you know, just to keep them confused. 
Anyway, yeah, very good performance. I would like to see Ramirez move up to the top of the division now. He's 28, so he's getting to that age. Um, yeah, and like I say, he's in a good division. Featherweight. It will be fun to see where he goes from there. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll wrap that up for this week now. Um, it's already pretty late, both in terms of it's late here, and it's, uh, you know, this podcast is already late. Um, yeah, next week, uh, this weekend, um, you know, in a few minutes it'll be tomorrow, but um, since Saturday's card is fantastic, um, even though even though Julio Cesar Martinez versus McWilliams or Arroyo has fallen off, there's still three world titles, um, two men's, one women's, including that fantastic lead fight with um, with Bam Rodriguez versus Frisiketsu Rungvisai. Um, and on Friday, that is, you know, tomorrow, there is a good card, a good fight, that is between, let me just have a look, it is between Jonathan Gonzalez and Mark Anthony Barriga. Um, that's a junior flyweight um, for a title. And, um, you know, I hope I can get a preview out before then, but frankly, I doubt it. Um, but I do, well, I will try to get a preview out for the Saturday card um, because that is Bam Rodriguez um, versus Rungvisai, uh, Jessica McCaskill versus Amal Ibarra. I don't really know anything about Ibarra, but we'll have a look. Um, before we start, Murajan Akhmadalia versus Ronda Rios, the again light featherweight, and yeah, a couple more fights, which I, you know, we'll see how much I'll get into them. There's also an English, decent English card, um, Sam Eggington versus Primisov Zisk, and Elwin Soto fights Haki Butler as well. So, so a, bunch, a whole bunch of stuff on Saturday. Um, like I say, I will attempt to get the preview out. It's a busy week for me, busy weekend, I'm at home, so we'll see how much I can. I, I may end up just previewing the design card, the um, Bam Rodriguez card, but we'll see. Um, but, you know, other than that, um, yeah, next week should be more closer to business as normal. I'll be back to work, so how that affects, you know, how that goes, we'll see. But um best I will be in a flat with quiet, so... So I should have stuff. I should have a podcast next week for you. And um, yeah, follow follow the fight site. Read our stuff. We have a couple of uh, articles hitting. Um, so check that out. Um, follow us on the fight site. Um, at the fight site. Um, join our Patreon as you know for the uh, for the little extras for our Discord, all of that stuff. And follow me at Crafty Boxing if you don't already at Crafty Boxing on Twitter. Yeah, that's it. I'll see you next time.